Maybe you remember those old commercials, Got Milk? And it was usually somebody eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or having a nice warm chocolate chip cookie and desperately needing milk and not being able to find it or finding only empty containers. Well, here's the question. Do you need wisdom? I think all of us would say yes, and it becomes even more intense in the times that we're considering a job or a spouse or just whatever situation where we need wisdom. And if we lack wisdom, the Bible says we can ask God and he will give to us generously. But there are some qualifications there. There are some things that we need to do, and we'll find out more about how to get the wisdom of heaven today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. So, the need for wisdom. There is a close connection between verses 2 through 4 and verses 5 through 8. So they can't be divorced from one another. If you read enough commentaries on this, you'll say, some people will say there is a connection, but don't make too much of it. And some, some commentators will say there's an undeniable connection between verses two through four and verses five through eight. I would be in that latter camp. I think there's an undeniable connection between trials and the need for wisdom because I think trials drive me to ask deeper questions about God, about the world, I was reading a wonderful commentary by R. Kent Hughes, and he was talking about how in the tapestry that God is weaving together, I only see it from below. God sees the tapestry from above. I can't see what he's creating from my standpoint. I can only see it as a human, but God sees it from above. God sees it in his omniscience, in his all-knowingness, in his majesty and grandeur and glory. I only see a small part. And because of my limited vision, trials often take me to a place where God wants to expand my vision or he wants me to see the world and even my own life and walk as he sees it. And so I think he knows that trials in verses two through four are a unique opportunity for growth. And I mentioned to you that in verse two, we need to kind of reconsider or recalculate trials. We have to count them all joy. Instead of a deficit, we need to see them as an asset. But as I mentioned in the opening comments, it's much easier for me to tell somebody that than to do that in my own trial. I can sit in my pastor's chair and try to give you all the wisdom that I've gleaned over the last 20 or 30 years. But when I'm in my own trial, I'm asking those deep questions too. I'm asking questions about why and what and all of that. We're all human, right? We're all in the same boat. But I do want to respond to the trials as God would want me to respond. I want to go deeper with him. So questions like this come up. Where can I find the wisdom and the understanding to use these testing experiences in the right way. Well, this is what we're gonna dig out tonight. We're gonna ask some questions about how we can do that, how we can count it all joy, how we can have the wisdom that God wants us to have. I wanna have God's wisdom in every situation of my life. I'm sure you do too. And I know especially in my trials, I desperately want his wisdom. I want to remind you of a story in your Bible that maybe a lot of us don't spend a lot of time in, but 
you're particularly driven to, I think, in times of trial, and it's the book of Job. Turn there for a second. Job is the book right before the Psalms, okay? So go to the book of Job. And uh, Job was going through a trial. Now, we we know that heaven ultimately was in control behind Job's trial. We know there was a conversation between Satan and God, and we know that God allowed some things in Job's life. Go to Job 14, 14. And as Job was going through his trial, he was asking some deep questions. Here's one question he asked. Among, among many we could talk about. He said in Job 14, 14, if a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. I think it's one of the hardest things when you're going through a trial is to wait for wisdom. You can seek it, you can ask of the Lord to grant you the wisdom to navigate the trial or to see it in the proper perspective. But waiting for that time when God imparts it to you is hard. And on top of that, some of you have questions about how God speaks to you in a trial. Like if you lack wisdom and and you can ask of God and he does give wisdom, how does he give it? How does it come? We would all love if it came by way of a text or... (laughs) an email or even the opening of the heavens and you know some clarity that I know that I know that I know it's God and God is telling me whether I should go to the right or to the left I was talking to a young lady just on the phone recently who said she's praying for God either to bless it or block it I thought that was a pretty cool way when you're praying about you know an opportunity or a job or a move, God either bless it or block it. It's another way to say God either open the door or close the door, make it plain to me and please hurry. Can I get a witness? <laughs> make it clear to me and could you do it before 10.30 p.m. tonight? That sure would be nice if you could work on my timetable, God. But I think part of the stretching process is the waiting process. Because in the waiting, that's the time that you go deeper. It's from the time of the question or the trial to the answer. It's that in-between time that God is probably doing the best tapestry work in your heart. And that's the time I will admit from this pulpit I don't necessarily like because I don't like waiting. I can be a very impatient person in lines at the supermarket. I want to be gracious, but I also want to go home, you know? And so we all feel that tension, I think, in this process. Job, in chapter 28, asked a question that is very relevant to our topic. Let's flip over to Job 28, look at verse 12. Job 28, verse 12. And of course, Job was in the trial of all trials, and here's what he asked, and it's, again, germane to our topic. He says, but where can wisdom be found, Job 28, 12? Where's the place of understanding? If you have an NIV, it says, where does understanding dwell? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me. The sea says, it's not in me. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued 16 in the gold of Ophir and precious onyx or sapphire, Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned. And the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. 
The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from, says Job? Where is the place of understanding? Thus it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon, or Hades, and death say, with our ears we have heard a report of it. But here's the point. God understands its way. He knows its place. He alone knows where it dwells. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. God knows all things. And then down to verse 28. And to man, he said, God said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, what's your Bible say? That is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Now, I know you guys have heard that before, but I want you to flip over to Job 42 because Job had God shoot a bunch of questions his way. I was doing a, some quick research, and I think it's over 70 questions, maybe 77 that God asked Job. And then Job makes a confession in the last chapter of the book of Job. He says, it says, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I do not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes, what? My eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes." After the trial of Job, if you uh, turn over to the book of Proverbs, which is a little bit over to your right, over his trial, he said, I had heard things about you, but now I see you. Can I say to you, brothers and sisters, with as little as I know, having navigated this planet for some five decades now, much of it with God's help, here's what I do know. I will find my answers in the face of God and nowhere else. And I would love to give you, you know, five bullet points on how to do this, but I'll just simply say this to you, that trials drive me to the face of God. And one day when I see his face, all my questions will be answered. But right now, he allows me to get glimpses and he invites me to a throne of grace that I may receive mercy and help when? In time of need. And if you read Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4 is about a sympathizing high priest who sympathizes and empathizes when we go through what? Temptations and trials. And that's, he is where we find our answers. He is wisdom from God. As a Christian, Jesus Christ is where I go. In him, Colossians 2.3 says, are hidden all the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. I go to him. This is where I need to be. That's why many people, when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, first get saved coming through a storm. Because you often, when you run out of answers, when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you begin to seek that which is higher. That, that's when you begin to say, Lord, if you're out there, Lord, if you're real, I want to know you because I've run out of options and I don't have all the answers and I don't have the answers to the, to the really big questions about 
why I'm here and where this life is going and about death, but you do. So I'm going to go to you. Hey, listening family. If you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Here's what I do know. I will find my answers in the face of God and nowhere else. And I would love to give you, you know, five bullet points on how to do this, but I'll just simply say this to you, that trials drive me to the face of God. And one day when I see his face, all my questions will be answered. But right now, he allows me to get glimpses and he invites me to a throne of grace that I may receive mercy and help when? In time of need. And if you read Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4 is about a sympathizing high priest who sympathizes and empathizes when we go through what? Temptations and trials. And that's, he is where we find our answers. He is wisdom from God. As a Christian, Jesus Christ is where I go. In him, Colossians 2.3 says, are hidden all the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. I go to him. This is where I need to be. That's why many people, when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, first get saved coming through a storm. Because you often, when you run out of answers, when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you begin to seek that which is higher. That, that's when you begin to say, Lord, if you're out there, Lord, if you're real, I want to know you because I've run out of options and I don't have all the answers and I don't have the answers to the to the really big questions about why I'm here and where this life is going and about death, but you do. So I'm gonna go to you. And so the wisest men on the planet did this very thing. Proverbs 1.7, if, you, if you're over there, Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. They don't seek out wisdom, but you need to. Go to Proverbs 9. Flip over, uh, Proverbs is the book of wisdom, so it's a place we should be. Proverbs 9, verse 1 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come, eat my food. Drink the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live. Proceed in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. 
Do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you go back to Proverbs 2, Proverbs 2, the writer is saying, he's talking about the value of wisdom and he says, look, you gotta pay attention to it, Proverbs 2, 2. You gotta incline your heart to understanding. You gotta cry for discernment. Lift your voice for understanding, Proverbs 2, 4. You gotta seek wisdom as silver. Search for her as hidden treasures. Then, when you do this, you will discern the fear of the Lord. You will discover the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom our subject, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. He is the fountain of wisdom and knowledge. When you open God's word, you are opening the book of wisdom. It is chalked full, packed with wisdom. And oftentimes, let's face it, we are driven to more prayer and more Bible study when we are in a trial. Because we say something like this, Lord, I need to hear from you. I'm struggling. Go back to the book of James. I need an answer on this. I, I am pressed in a tight spot. What do I do? How do I move? How long do I wait? And the Lord imparts wisdom. James says, if you lack wisdom, and I think we all could say that we do lack it, then we need to ask of God. If any of you, I want you to notice in verse five of James one, it applies to any of you. Some of you are thinking tonight, it applies to every other Christian, but not me. I've tried this before, Pastor Michael. Everybody else, people come and they say, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm like, how did he speak to you? Please. Give me a little insight, right? And you may be in that boat tonight. The Lord doesn't speak to me like he speaks to everybody else. Well, let me just say to you, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, any of you, all these early Christians, and of course we're reading the letter today, if we lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now God gives to all men, all people, how does he do it? He is generous. You are not the exception. God is generous with wisdom giving. He is a giving God. God so loved the world that he gave. Later in the book of James, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting or shadow. God is consistently generous with wisdom. In fact, he says, in all you're getting, get wisdom. It's the superior thing. So he's not going to hold it back from you. And I'll give you an example. This is a personal example, and it applies to my youngest son, James. So James is a freshman at Biola, and uh, he was in the youth group uh, not that long ago. And we were, as a family, wrestling with the college tuition amount, as in dollar signs. So mom and dad were talking with James, and we're, we're all praying, and we're looking at, you know, can we do this as a family? 
And so I know that whole time leading up to um, James' freshman year, he had graduated and he was in youth group one night and uh, he told me the story that Pastor Brian just said, hey, if you're struggling with something tonight or you just need to put something before the Lord, then take this time. And they had a, a kind of a quiet time where they were just seeking the face of God and they were petitioning the Lord just quietly, you know. And James said, in that moment, and I just talked to him on the phone a few hours ago, in that moment, he said, Dad, I just saw a ram caught in the thicket, in a bush. And so after this happened, I think it was within about that week or so, he came to me and he said, Dad, uh, this is, this is kind of what I saw in my head. Um, can you confirm, you know, that story? And I said, yeah, that's Genesis 22. And I happened to have recently just studied that. And right after that happens, it says in that text, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And James went, whoa. And I went, yeah. <laughs> and here's the point. I'm not saying that everybody's going to see an image in their mind, but you might. But even the image that James saw was a Bible verse. And I will say this to you. The primary way that God has spoken to me over the years, though I do not want to put God in a box, is through his word. Oftentimes what's happened to me is I'll be praying about something and I'll say, oh God, you know, do I go to the left or the right? What do I do here? And more often than not, it's been through my own personal study of the Bible or another pastor preaching where I have gotten a word from God. Can I get a witness? Anybody else out there? Or someone may send me a Bible verse that they had on their heart to share with me. There's all different ways that God can do this, but the primary source of wisdom is his word. And here's where there's a caveat just to be careful. Because if, if you're praying about something, and let's say that you have a scenario and you have door A and B, and you really want door A to happen. Well, we can play some games with ourselves about looking for signs and things like that. And I'm saying we just need to make sure that we anchor our answers in God's word, okay? I'm not trying to put God in a box, but I am saying God knows how to get to you. He knows your phone number. He can use other people. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm saying if it's anchored in a verse of scripture that you can confirm it, this is the revealed wisdom of God. And I think God will center what he says to you in a Bible verse. That's just my personal view. And so Paul asks questions like, well, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe of this age? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Look, there are people, the books fly off the shelf for people to get practical wisdom on life choices and finances and what should I do next and how do I find the right person and all of that. Hey, that's all here. You, there's two forms of wisdom. We'll read about that later in the book of James. There's a earthly, natural wisdom. There's a demonic wisdom. And there's wisdom from above. Which one do you want to choose? Which, do you, which way you want to go? There's plenty of books. There's plenty of how-to specials for three easy payments. They're always easy payments because you're making it to the other person. For $29.99, you can get this CD series. You can get this DVD series. You can download this teaching, right? But God already has downloaded a book 
You just need to get it into your head. And it's, and it's a matter of reading it and heeding it. Now, wisdom is Sophia in Greek. It's spelled S-O-P-H-I-A, transliterated into English. And many, many definitions I could give you, but let me give you a few. Wisdom, A.T. Robertson, is the practical use of knowledge, if you're taking notes. Wisdom, another writer says, is knowledge applied. Ralph Martin says, for the Jewish mind, wisdom meant practical righteousness in everyday living. Here's another one. Wisdom is the knowledge of the Holy One of God, His Word, His will, His way, and then applying it. Let me say that one more time because that's my personal definition. And I want you to remember it. <laughs> wisdom is the knowledge of God, his word, his will, his ways, and then doing it. James 1.22, later, we'll study this, says, but prove yourselves to be what? Doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Wisdom is much more than Knowledge. Wisdom is much more than intellect. You can have a state of facts. You can have a doctorate and be a fool. Because wisdom is more about practical things. It's about practical livings, living. Now, you can, be, you can have a doctorate and be a wise person. Don't get me wrong. But you could also have many degrees, many letters behind your name and be foolish. Moses said, Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. That's Psalm 90, verse 12. Proverbs 24, 3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. Can I speak to the guys for a second? You need to be wise about how you build your house. Build it on a strong foundation. Build your marriage on a strong foundation. Raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. Make a decision as a man to lead your house in the way that it should go, that you guys should go. God will be generous. He will give you, verse 5, James 1, he will give generously and he will give without reproach. Break down the two words for a second. Generously carries the idea of singleness of heart, verse 5, James 1, of doing something unconditionally without bargaining. The word suggests God's unwavering intent to be generous when you ask him. The only condition is that we ask, and we ask in faith, and we ask with the right motives, as we'll see in chapter four of James. But you have to ask. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, putting on the full armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. 
Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.